So I guess lately I felt uh, really strongly uh, about just shoring up the foundations of my own faith. And we're kind of tracking with that in our series that we've been doing here too. You know, relatability, relating, and then now we're heading into discipleship and, and, and learning what it means to be a true follower of Christ. And so for me, these opportunities, and I, and I just want to say thank you, Pastor Jim, that you release us to teach. Uh, Pastor Jim has a vision for, for a preaching team. Is that he's not the solo man in the pulpit, that, that we get to share that. And I just thank you so much. I'm so blessed and honored. And he gives us great latitude to hear from God and to come pour out what, what the Lord is doing. And I think there's, there's a, a, amazing beauty in that model. So I want to just encourage you to embrace that. If it's, if it's, you're struggling with it, if it's maybe foreign to you, embrace that. Uh, know that God's going to just speak through different people and different personalities. And, um, and I, my prayer is, because I know that, that there's people I listen to that I don't connect with, and, and I hope if you're struggling to connect with me that just the Holy Spirit can connect to your heart, even though maybe my personality or delivery style is like a struggle for you. So just I pray that for you tonight. Um, so anyway, the opportunities I have to, to teach and preach on Wednesdays, we kind of mix them up and they come here and there. But I, I felt like the Lord wanted me to take these opportunities and just do foundations. And so as I was praying, he started showing me some things about prayer. And we're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer tonight a little bit. But prayer is one of the foundations of our faith. It's super, super important. Would you agree with that? And so, just if you'll give me some latitude to kind of reframe this, we, we say it's the Lord's Prayer, but really, it's not His prayer, it's our prayer. Can we call it our prayer? Because we, we're the ones that need to pray, right? Uh, and so, you're going to hear me try to shift the focus. And again, this isn't original with me. I've heard it said before. I'm not taking notes from anyone else or anything like that, but I'm just, what I've, what I've, internalized over, over my life as a believer. And what God's showing me now, I'm just going to teach this out. So I hope you can hear me trying to shift the emphasis from a me prayer to a we prayer. That the, this prayer we call the Lord's Prayer has so much more to do with we as in the body of Christ in the earth, the people, a, a, a unified um, voice of prayer. Is that making sense to you tonight? So it's interesting, I said, um, this is unfolding because I was driving on the parkway, most of you drive on the parkway if you live in New Jersey, right? Um, either that or the turnpike, uh, unless you just love avoiding that and just taking every back road <laughs> and every stop sign, and, you know, but I like to get on there and move. And so I was coming home from some, some uh, physical treatments that I, that I go to once a month and, and I had a vision. I'm not kidding you. This isn't, this isn't a joke. Sometimes my dry sense of humor, people will think, like, you're kidding me right now. I'm just letting you know. I'm not kidding you. I, I, for real, had a vision. I was driving down the parkway, and because I was meditating on this message on prayer, I started thinking, it was, it was weird. It was surreal. I started thinking about how beautiful, like, how wonderful would it be right now if every single person on this road uh, instead of, of like trying to get where they want to go and, and see everyone else as like an obstacle or an impediment, if it wasn't like a contention of, 
of everyone, if it wasn't everyone in their own tunnel vision of what I'm doing today, if somehow every single person was like symbiotically and, and, and uh, uh, just of one mind and one heart in, in where they were moving. And the goal wasn't, uh, just let me get where I'm going and I'll try to figure out how to either avoid you or whatever. But everyone moved with the same purpose in mind that we're all going to get where we need to go. But we're going to do it together because we're going to help each other. We're going to yield when we need to yield, etc. You understand what I'm saying? There's no one person who's like that 90 mile an hour person. There's no person that is going so slow. That it's just, and so this blew my mind. I started thinking about this and it started literally happening. And I can't tell if it was really happening or if I was having a vision that God would show me. So it just starts moving beautifully. And this is this will blow your mind because I just saw this sign, the, the LED sign that said uh, congestion ahead, be prepared to stop. Like this is, this is a mess. And I was just like, you know, oh great. And that's what triggered that. Well, wouldn't it be beautiful if? So this starts happening and I'm just driving and then I lose all track of time. So I'm thinking about this. You know how when God gives you like a vision, it's like instant. You, you kind of know all this and I was thinking about this. And so... When I kind of come out of it, I think, this is cool. I just experienced something. The Lord's trying to, to show me something. So in my mind, I'm thinking, I still have yet to go through uh, the easy pass. I still have yet to go by the church. All these things I think I haven't passed. And I'm all the way, like, at my exit already. And, I, like, I have no awareness of, of any of that other stuff happening. Have you ever experienced that? I was so discombobulated. I was like, wow, what did you just do, Lord? And it just, it just kept being that way all the way down. It was supernatural. And so I, immediately as I was thinking about that, the Lord was showing me like, this is prayer. This is the highway of prayer. This is how prayer in the body is supposed to be. We are not supposed to have our agenda. I'm trying to get here. Uh, you know, you're in my way. You, and it, do you understand what I'm saying? It's supposed to be this smooth, beautiful, unified, unison, like like swan dance of, of this highway of prayer. And we're all connected. We're the body of Christ in the earth today where we have access by the Spirit of God to the heart of God f to pray the will of God for the kingdom of God. So I thought, you know, thank you, Lord, for giving me that beautiful picture because I'm, I'm going to talk about that tonight. So I hope that helps you and it helps um, share maybe uh, the, the tact I'm going to take. So I want to kind of help support that same idea with another personal story. Personal stories are good, right? You realize we're, we're all human. We all put our pants on, you know, one leg at a time if you have two legs, you know. So, got a chuckle out of that one, but not so f funny for people who, yeah, have that problem. But I just realized that, that you know. So anyway, um, where was I? Personal story. You want to know me. Yes. Okay, so it was about two or three years ago, I, I changed my lifestyle. I changed a lot of health things because I was very unhealthy. I didn't, I didn't look super unhealthy, but I was internally 
um, unhealthy. So we made a lot of changes. And I got into a personal fitness routine that involved running. Now, some of you are probably like, oh, no, I hate to run. That's fine. If it's not your thing, uh, I get it. But it, it became my thing. And I had seasons in the past where I was running before. So it wasn't new to me. It was something I had. Uh, several years ago, I was on a running streak, and I actually rolled my ankle. Uh, I remember the day. It, it was one of the uh, local elections. We, we were going to go vote. And I was like, I can jog over there. I don't need to drive. And those people, I'm not mad at you if you're one of those people, instead of grass, have rocks in their yard. And their giant rocks all creep out on the road where I'm running, listening to my own podcast, enjoying myself. And so when that happened, I thought I was done. But after I turned my, my physical fitness around and started changing a bunch of things the way I ate, all of a sudden I could run again. Like that high ankle sprain was healed because everything else wasn't pulling on. Okay, I, I'm, I'm rabbit trailing here, but stay with me. Uh, so I got back into running. But I want to say this before I, before I tell you about that. Um, I realized because of the story how easy it is to, to start off in the right direction, but then go down a road that leads you to a different path. So let me just summarize what that was. So I'm running. I'm doing good. I'm getting healthy. I'm losing weight. I'm thin as a rail. I'm just, I'm fit. And because of that, my mind is healthier. Uh, my digestive system is healthier. So my... My role as dad is better. My role as husband is better. Uh, in the morning, I'm doing this routine, so then I'm super focused and have these great times with the Lord. So, and, and Pastor Jim's talked about this, how, how those keystone habits will shift everything else, and all of a sudden, everything starts cooking on all cylinders. So this is one of those habits. And I'm an introvert. Have to, you have to understand a little bit about my personality. I thrive, and I'm, um, I'm energized alone. And that's when God speaks to me and gives me, you know, songs and things and messages and, and whatnot. And so this time was so vital. So, so I'm doing good. I'm doing this. Then all of a sudden, I decide I need to set new goals for myself. So I um, signed up for a couple 5Ks. I ran in one. I did okay. I start getting really hungry to, to beat my times. And so I start studying on... How can a 50-some-year-old guy like me run fast? So I'm doing all the research, and I'm realizing I need to change my stride, um, do more steps, stuff like that, and, and bounce off this one part of your foot so it's a spring. So I start killing these times, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing you know, these 5Ks in my neighborhood. I'm running in the morning to get these fast times. Well, what I didn't know was um, I wasn't properly using some other muscles to help support that new technique, and so I started severely injuring my foot, and I got plantar fasciitis, like a severe extreme case of it. And so, uh, what happened? The, what started off good, uh, the, the desire to just be the best overtook what was a very healthy pattern. Now, think about this. Something happened along the way. Um, I got a piece of advice that wasn't 
in context. Stay with me. This is all going to connect to God's word and prayer. Um, and I'm going to do this. I don't know if I told you this. I'm going to do this in a series. So it's just going to be intro tonight. And then the next time I speak, you'll hear more. So I asked my doctor about stretching. And he said, you know, there, there, there's new research out there that says stretching really isn't that, that good for physical activity. It's kind of overrated. In fact, it can actually be detrimental. What you actually need to do is, is duplicate the moves that you're going to do in that exercise, right? So for running, instead of like doing all these super deep stretches and stuff, you'd, you'd, you'd warm up by like doing this, like get your leg going here and get this leg going, things like that. And I thought, this is cool because I hate stretching. So I'm just popping out the door. So it was a combination of things. It was a little of advice I took out of context and ran with it, pun intended, and injured myself. And so the whole premise of me being healthy and well is now eroded because what, what can I do? I can't run. I can't do the thing that all of a sudden, the keystone habit that built all these habits, and it was, it was a problem for me. Um, and it's, it's interesting because that injury, uh, I, again, this is advice that, you know, they t tell you when you're younger and you're, you know, push through the pain, just push through, just push past it, right? And that's what I was doing. I didn't know it was plantar fasciitis. I just thought, you know, I'm older. I got aches and pains. This hurts because I worked it. And I just kept um, injuring it unknowingly until it got so bad. And that's where I was. So, so I'm on the road to recovery. I want you to know, I think after almost a year and a half, I'm almost all the way healed. Now, I want you to also know this. I didn't, like, not pray about it. I didn't just say, I'll take care of this myself. I totally, you are healed in Jesus' name. I laid my hands on that. I put it in ice, boiling water. <laughs> I did all the painful therapy and stuff like that. But the problem is... Here's a truth I want you to take away tonight, tonight. Just because we become accustomed to something or because our body gets used to it, it does not mean that it's healthy over the long haul. Hear that. Uh, and it's often too late when we realize uh, because when the, when the big pain hits, you've gone far past it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, this is a spiritual truth as well. This is, this is with anything that we feel like, hey, you know, it's not really hurting. It doesn't seem like it's affecting anything. Well, if we've become desensitized because we're pursuing this path that started off on the right path, running's not bad, right? Even trying to get fast times isn't bad, right? But the out of context, the overuse of it to the, to the detriment of the basic fundamental truth of what I was doing put me in a bad situation. And it cost me. So here's what happened. Um, I'm just jumping around in my notes trying to find. Th this brings new meaning to the idea that when one member of the body suffers, we all suffer. So think about that. If, if James Wheeler isn't at his best, and we all have, you know, we all have times where we're struggling. I'm not, I'm not talking about perfection. But the ability for me to be my best, healthy, spiritually, for my family. Now I'm a wounded part of the body of Christ. Are you getting this picture? And so there, there's, there's certainly, you know, a path to get better, but it's like having a team on the field 
where everyone is, is not staying in shape and everyone is injured. How effective is that team? How effective are we as a body of Christ if we're so off a path that now we're injured and we're in recovery mode? Listen, recovery mode is fine because that's what the rest of the healthy body of Christ is. But you don't want to go there if you can avoid it. You want to stay healthy. You want to stay spiritually vibrant and healthy. Is this starting to make sense? We become a drain on the body of Christ. I mean, there's all kinds of issues. You know, we, we all struggle with apathy, you know, procrastination, uh, spiritual dry seasons and things like that. But I'm talking about good intentions that carry us into a place where we end up a little bit shipwrecked or wounded and, and now we're, you know, we're needing to be rescued in, instead of partnering. So regarding the Lord's Prayer. Everyone in this room, I just want to, it's going to get your, your perspective shifted a little bit. If I were to ask, if, if you guys were to say, hey, Pastor James, teach me how to write a letter. Um, I would assume uh, that you want me to teach you how to write a letter from you to someone else. And that's an individual person. Right? Pastor Tom, so, so help, me, help me write this. And I'd say, well, you're going to write, dear so-and-so. And anytime you talk in that letter, it's going to be, I right? I appreciate you. I want you to know this. And so what is that? That's a singular, right? And so unless somehow you all indicated to me that, hey, no, 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 Pastor James, teach us all as a group or as a corporate entity or as a business how to communicate, you know, as one voice to another, then it'd be different because then everything in there would have to say, we would like to let you know. That it is our desire. Do you see what I'm saying? That it's me versus we. So I just always think it's super uh, fascinating that when the disciples said, teach us to pray, he didn't model how an individual would talk to God. Does anyone ever, like, does that make sense to you? It's not... Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you. It's our Father. Give us. So you might think, yeah, you're making a little, it's a little semantical there. But I think it's significant. It doesn't rule out the individual, but I think it's significant. And I think this is something God wants, you know, me to just share and see how, how that can, can affect us and inspire us and encourage us. So... You know, maybe it's an underrealized perspective, this idea of we and not so much a prayer of me. I, it's just personal. Just want you to divide between, you know, James and the word. Personally, I think uh, the prayer hugely speaks to we. And I'm convinced something, and I just, it's just personal. I have a shift here where I think personal provision from God comes as a result of me pursuing kingdom vision personal need comes as a result of, of me saying, Father, what do you need? How can I set my hand to that? How can I pray for kingdom need? How can I advance the kingdom? And it's not my personal prayer list at the top. You understand the difference? It's, it's a nuance. And so I think, I think this was great that God dropped this in my heart. If you pursue the kingdom, then the kingdom's going to pursue you. 
You pursue the kingdom, then the king, kingdom's going to be in pursuit after you. Goodness and mercy will what? Follow you all the days of your life as you what? Pursue your own personal goals and ambitions? No. As you dwell in the house of the Lord, as you pray the will of the Father and release the kingdom and the king's dominion. So there's kind of this basic outline. And again, you know, sometimes I don't know if I like subliminally absorb something someone else taught. So I'm not trying to steal anything here. It's just I'm going to show you like what inspired me and, and what I'm talking about. Uh, but I do want to, I feel impressed to, to say this. It's just my revelation of the topic. But we've talked about this in, in years past, and, and maybe a lot of people who are familiar with it would know this, but I think it, it bears repeating that when I teach the Word of God or preach the Word of God uh, or anyone else, you need to keep some things in mind. It's called the three rules of hermeneutics, and it's important because at any, any given time, any of us can slip over into more of a, maybe a miss... Um, declaring of something that the word doesn't really emphasize. It's not necessarily wrong, but it can be misleading. And that's unhealthy. So I wouldn't want you to find yourself in that position. So number one, scripture is the best interpreter of scripture. <laughs> okay. So you find, you know, I have my life first. That's great. <laughs> it needs to be in context. And, and you have to interpret what that means with other verses. Not, I just feel like it says this. Well, you could be totally wrong. You, you really could. So, Scripture is best interpreted, is the best interpreter of Scripture. And then secondly, texts of Scripture must be interpreted in context. This is super important. Both right around it, so you read the whole, you know, the other verses, you read the chapter, you read the books. But in broader context, there will be biblical themes and topics that support. What are you talking about here? You're talking about healing, you're talking about salvation, you're talking about forgiveness, Okay. So then, and then the third thing is there's no text of Scripture in parentheses if it's properly interpreted in its context. There's no text of Scripture, if that's done right, that will contradict, and this is a big problem in the body of Christ, that will contradict another text of Scripture. We elevate our favorite Doctrine, and there's this other screaming thing in Scripture saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, no, no, not quite, not quite. It's got to, it's got to harmonize. There's a harmony with the message of, of the gospel, of the word of God. And even the hard things, even the things that we don't understand. I saw this recently and was inspired that everything makes sense from the end to the beginning. You don't know because you're not at the end Yet, even the stuff, you're just like, I don't, why? Why is that in the Bible? Uh, faith says, I trust you, Lord, that it's something that doesn't make sense to me. All the rest of it points to enough evidence for me to pursue a walk in life with you. And I know that when I get to the end, it's all going to be so clear. Because isn't God so much bigger than you can comprehend or fathom anyway? The problems with Scripture always come with someone interpreting interpreting it, you know, wrong, or representing it wrong, or living it out in a way that it never meant. So, we're still going to get to the Lord's Prayer. Think about this. So, the disciples asked the Lord, teach us to pray. So, again, we're going to kind of get into this as we go deeper into um, true followers. 
but Jesus, they saw him as rabbi and teacher. And this just wasn't, let me take notes and know everything you know. But it's, if I'm going to follow you, I'm going to live like you live. So now I'm going to watch you live and move through the earth as Jesus. And what you do should support what you say. Understand? So, the disciples then and us now, we need to learn his ways, not just his sayings. Amen? So his sayings... This is what's cool because it's going to start anchoring and, and unfolding our understanding. His sayings, Jesus' sayings, have to be reflected in his ways. Otherwise, why would he say it? He would not say one thing and do another. Absolutely not. Even the stuff we don't understand. Sometimes you have to look really back into the Old Testament and go, he quoted this old verse. Well, what does that mean? You understand? So, Here's some of his ways that are included. And sometimes we just overlook this or we forget, forget about it. But remember, it's foundational. I want to go back to foundational. I'm not quite there yet. Um, so his, his ways include how he interacted with the lost. Did you know that? Watch carefully. Follow Jesus through the, through the Gospels. How did he interact with the lost? We might, take, we might take some cues in today's culture. Are we interacting with the lost the way Jesus did? Because that's his way and his sayings support his ways, right? His ways include embracing the marginalized. He embraces the marginalized. He doesn't make them an enemy because of their unbelief. Amen? Someone hearing me? They don't suddenly become the opposition because they are confused in their understanding and revelation of him or because of their political persuasion or their lifestyle choices or anything like that. And his ways included rebuking controlling spirits. So these ways, you can all see these come out in when he teaches on prayer, but the Lord's Prayer is what I'm focusing on. Did you know, I think, including controlling spirits the men who were controlled by spirits he rebuked the religious leaders of the day you know why because they were they were wrong they were misrepresenting the heart of everything he came for in fact you'll find he's the hardest on them we need to think about that again we, we pride ourselves on being hard on the culture today. Let's figure out how to act towards them like Jesus would. And let's be hard on ourselves. Are we becoming the Pharisee, the Sadducee, the hypocrite? Are we letting religion become bondage in a bad sense and not binding it around our hearts, the truth, the tablet? in a good sense, it goes two ways there. I think Jesus lived on mission. I think he lived intentionally according to purpose. So let's look at uh, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. I'm taking this, um, the Lord's Prayer. So if we do this right, my head is here and whoo, that's there. It might be too tiny for them to see, but I just wanted it to be up there. You, you can leave that up there. So they say, teach us to pray. 
he says, this then is how you should pray. And tonight, if I can get to it, this is kind of intro, uh, introductory. If I can get to it, I just want to talk about the Our Father in Heaven, okay? So you can kind of gauge your, what, what is it, when's he going to get to it? What am I expecting here? So uh, the, again, these are things that I feel like all really support this idea. So Our Father in Heaven, that is perspective. And these are all P's. Isn't that neat, Pastor Jim? You like alliteration, right? High five. They're all P's. Father in heaven, perspective. This is, and I'll, I'll really unpack this more, who we are and who God is. It's perspective. You can't lose sight of that. It's an anchor. It's like a GPS. Our Father. Hallowed be your name. That's power. That is the power in the names and the natures of the Lord, not just Father in heaven, but every name of Jesus. Because every name of Jesus, every name of God through the old covenant is at the same time the name of Jesus, who he is and what he brings to the picture to advance the kingdom. So hallowed be your name. That's power. Power in the names and natures of the Lord. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's position and priority. That's kingdom authority. That's, that's mission critical. That is the heartbeat of prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what is amazing about this model of prayer, and it's only, it's genius from the heart of God and from the word of God, Jesus forever settled, the truth forever settled in heaven, is that each idea supports the next and back and forth and back and forth. The whole prayer is just like this amazing endless puzzle of well, well that totally ties it all together. And I'm fascinated by this. So give me, I'll give you just an example. So for that position and priority we know that when we worship the name of God it, it, when we pray out the names of God it is an act of worship. It's a powerful act of worship. Prayer and worship kind of flow together. So let me just plug in a name just for the sake of an example. So, so the, everyone, well, you might not know this, but one of the names of, of, of Jesus is the Lord of Breakthrough. Have you heard that one? He's the creator of everything. He's the author of every good thing. So when we pray this way, when we exalt the Lord of breakthrough over every situation. And let me be honest with you. Worry does not exalt him to where he should be. It's, it puts it here and now he's here. So he's not the Lord of breakthrough if you're the Lord of breakthrough. Because I'm going to solve this by worrying about it. I'm going to solve this by complaining about it to my inner circle. Does that make sense? Or I'm going to solve this by fixing it. There's some things you can't solve and there's some things you shouldn't solve. Even if you think you can solve them. Amen. Let God do it. Let God do it. Because it always works better that way. Do you want to look back and go, I, I did it. I fought my own battle. I won that argument. Ha, 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 ha. I'm right. No. If there needs to be spiritual territory broken through, let God break through for you. And when you live that way, when you pray that way, when you worship that way, that truly says that. It's not enough to come in here and sing about it. Because just like Jesus' ways have to match his sayings, your ways have to match his sayings and your sayings. 
So we live in that place. We pray in that place. Lord of the breakthrough. That puts us in the kingdom of breakthrough. All of a sudden, it's like I'm in an armored tank. <laughs> it's the kingdom of breakthrough. Wherever I go, guess what happens? <laughs> it's just, it's going to happen. I don't have to do it. It's because I'm living in that place under the kingdom that is developed by his name. Because he's the king of it, right? He's the Lord of it. Some get excited about this. I mean, this is like good stuff. And then as you do that, his, his kingdom gets released in the earth. We don't really always know what his master plan is. But if we try to too much figure it out or second guess it, we, we, op, we take ourselves out. Okay, so moving on. Give us today our daily bread. That's provision. And when I get to that in the series, I'm going to talk about how that is the word of God, not a slice of wonder, and it's the prophetic revelation from the word of God for that day. Remember how he fed the people in the wilderness daily. Don't save that up. Don't store it. It's going to get rotten. I, I'm telling you. So daily there is a word. There's a prophetic revelation from God's word for you. It's a kingdom assignment. Now if we're all on the parkway moving together, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, and Jesus the Son are making sure we're all praying the kingdom plan. But it's not going to happen unless you're in tune for that. What if I'm like, Lord, I need lunch. And I'm praying for lunch. When he said, didn't you know I just fed 5,000 and there was a ton left over? Why are you asking me for lunch? Ask me for the word of God today that you need to pray out and speak out into this reality, into earth, into this piece of earth, this jar of, of clay. That's provision. We're to live daily in his provision. What am I on? And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. I'm excited about this because this is going to surprise you. This is prosperity. This is prosperity. Health to your body, salvation and wholeness is true prosperity. It's not how much is in your bank account. When the body of Christ is in division, disunity, strife and discord, that's a sick body of Christ. That's a poor body of Christ. That is a poverty mentality. We can't get past our doctrinal differences. We can't get past whether that carpet should be red, etc. You know what I'm saying? We're not healthy. We're not prosperous. We're in fighting. Does that make sense? So forgiveness, living in forgiveness, walking in forgiveness, seeking forgiveness, sincerely repenting, saying, I'm sorry. I failed you releases the power of us to move together and pray in unity. And that's why I call that one prosperity. And lead us not in temptation, into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Uh, I'm calling this preservation and purity. You know what happens? Uh, temptation is just the devil saying, hey, look over here. <laughs> Something else that's more important than the kingdom of God. It doesn't mean you're headed for the world's, you know, most horrible sin. It's I'm going to distract you with something that seems good and it's not God. That's, we don't want to go that way. We need to preserve 
the focus and the integrity of the vision and the mission. It's mission critical. It's about the mission. It's about making disciples. It's about seeing the lost saved. Have we lost that? Because it doesn't matter if we have an awesome conference, right? Everyone goes and gets the t-shirt and has this wonderful heavenly experience if not one single person gets born again and translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light as a result. That's edifying ourselves, which really is a false sense of edification. When you build the body, the body grows. The sermon on the day of Pentecost exploded. People were like, yes, I'm in. I want to get saved. That's what we're after. Understand? So with the time remaining... Let's talk just a little bit about this, our Father in heaven. Are you still with me? You need to stand up and stretch or anything? So back to, you don't have to show the outline anymore, but our Father in heaven, this is eternal perspective. It's the foundational grounding for the body of Christ. I'm just deciding if I've said some things or if I'm going to get to those. Okay, I'm just going to keep plowing here. Now, this might be controversial, but when I really studied this out, uh, the word Father is Abba, and we hear a lot about that being kind of the intimate daddy God thing. When this, I believe in context, that's why I shared those hermeneutical principles, I believe this carries a stronger idea of the, the word, the Greek word, that uh, sperma, and you know what that means, that's author of life, that's creator, that's not like loving, loving, come up into my arms and I love you. That's I'm authoring this. I'm creating this. I'm, this, is, this is the seed of creation. This is Genesis. This is Father, our Father. Okay, so before you get to that, it's all about the intimacy thing with Daddy. It's, no, this is a little bigger than that. This is Master and Commander of the universe, Father. Are, are, you, are you wrapping your head around that? It's like, wow, it's blowing my mind to think about that. Source of life. Uh, Originator, author, creator, very beginning. And this is about the throne and the kingdom. It's the fact that he is preeminent above any other thrones, dominions, or spiritual forces. So this is very clear. Anyone who reads this of any other religion, this is not Buddha. (laughs) This is Almighty God, right? This isn't Baal. This isn't whatever other religion that's ever existed. This isn't that. And we need to, in the body of Christ, realize that a lot of that other stuff has crept in to Orthodox Christianity, and we need to get rid of it. This isn't self-help. This isn't meditation. Come on, somebody. It's tied directly to the one true God, the only true God, the only true creator of the universe, who is Jesus, who is the Holy Spirit. And that's where it can get a little confusing because we need to understand uh, three, yet one. But if we separate them too much, uh, it messes with us. And that leads to that road. Well, well aren't all gods that one? Don't, don't all roads lead to heaven? No, they don't. So Colossians 1.16, and don't get, don't confused here, um, Jesus is God, you realize that, and that's the only, that's the only way to tell whether 
the spirit of truth is in you, if, if it's Jesus Christ is God. Amen. You talk to someone for not too long and they talk about their faith and, and this new agey blah, blah, blah. But you're like, you haven't said Jesus once. I want to hear Jesus Christ and God. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Do you know, do you have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Right? So for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Our Father in heaven. That's him. That's that God. Ephesians 1.21, I'll read more of this later, but for, for right here to prove this point, to, to support this point. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your what? Name. It starts cascading and beautifully marrying one part to another. You almost can't disconnect them. You preach one part of this prayer, you're preaching the whole prayer. So the opening of this prayer, it locates us, identifies us. It grounds us to our common beginning, the source of life. It's a we prayer. Helps define and answer questions like, who are we? We're his creation. And, and just set aside for a second that creation did fall and sin entered. But where is creation first and foremost? And the whole goal is to get back to that place. You understand? So that's who we are. And when we forget that, we start thinking too much about what our deal is now in this temporary life. We're his people. We're citizens of heaven and don't think puffy clouds sweep by and by. We're citizens of a kingdom that is alive and vibrant now at the same time as we are in the earth realm and I'll get to that. But that's where we live. That's where we should live. It's our birthplace, our birthright. It's the kingdom of heaven. So get this. If we're in him, if we're in Christ Jesus, then we live where he lives. We live in that realm. We live in another kingdom. God the Father is our source. If you're a big Marvel fan, and I think someone is, he creates our origin story, right? It's our origin story. This forms our identity as creation. This informs our story as his story. This is all Father God I'm still talking about. The story of redemption. Because God the Father so loved, he gave the Son for us. This is our common bond. It's not our denomination. It's not our affiliation. It's, but it's our shared identity as being created by him and for him. The we of his purpose, not just the me of his purpose. So this kind of blew my mind, and I don't think it's, Bizarre to say this. So here's the picture. Jesus was on the earth at one time as a man. He had to come. He's fully God, fully man. But he prayed as himself to who? The Father? Okay? So when he, when he prayed this prayer, we can see looking back now, it was predictive of us that he was teaching us to pray. Because who, it's not a trick question, who is Jesus in the earth now? You are. You're the body of Christ. So his model prayer was teaching the body of Christ how to pray. Not as you, Bob, but as we, Bob. As we, 
as us. Are you getting this? I mean, it was just blowing my mind. I was like, I get it now. I, I was wrestling with that. I was like, why did he teach this way? Why did he do it like that? So this one might even further explode the deep recesses of your brain. So if, if you're 2 Corinthians 5.17, are you a new creation in who? Christ. If you're in Christ Jesus, are you in his name? So when you pray, are you praying in his name? If you're walking in Christ? Think about that. This is a place that is your right to walk in. You don't beg for it. You don't hope it happens. You don't wish it happens. It is you as soon as you say yes. You are in Christ. So what you pray and what you say is in Jesus' name. And that's fine if you still want to actually say in Jesus' name. But I don't think you have to. I'm just saying. He taught us to pray as fully God, fully man, but as a spirit-filled believer in the earth. He's teaching you how to pray as a spirit-filled believer in the earth. The spirit of Christ is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. Make sense? So when we pray and when we, we, uh, we talk about God, uh, it's easy to try to get confused about Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But when you pray, when you, when you pray the names, just I want to put this out there. Pray with a complete revelation of, of the Trinity. So I may have touched on this earlier. Every name in the Old Covenant is the name of God and it's the name of Jesus, right? Jesus was concealed a little bit, but we know now he's revealed. That doesn't mean oh, all that stuff back there is, doesn't work for us. It totally does. And I use that as example as Lord of, of the breakthrough. So it isn't just the name of the Father, because if we take that literally, it would be like, Father, heaven, hallowed be your name. And that's the only name we would focus on, the Father. But there's how many names listed throughout Scripture, either directly or inferred? There's hundreds. I think 900. I should know this. I wrote it in my book, the exact number. It's in there. It was a pitch for my book. Shameless plug. I need t-shirts. Lordship matters. Ephesians 3.14. For this reason... Oh, I, I wanted to say this because this blew my mind too. So, I love the Pauline prayers. I love digging into when he actually prays for the church and when he writes. And I was looking up, looking this up today. The epistles were written before the Gospels, but the Gospels were, were oral tradition and written later. And uh, only one of the Gospels was authored by one of the original disciples. So, you have to know that this model prayer was known by the church. It was known by the writers, and it was known by the Apostle Paul. So I have this sneaky suspicion that he is expounding on the Lord's Prayer when he writes this. Check this out. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, Father in heaven, from whom every family in where? Heaven. And on where? Earth. Derives its name. Does that sound familiar? On earth as it is in heaven. Father. 
Just saying. Pray that out of his glorious riches, the names of the Lord Jesus, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. The whole trinity is here in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. Who is that? The church, the body of Christ. Who is the model prayer for? That's the body of Christ praying the will of God, the kingdom, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I want to point something out there. In heaven and on earth. Notice that we operate in both the heavenly realm while we live on earth. It's not a there and here, there and here. It's all here. It's all together. And that's where we're operating. It's a simultaneous habitation. Of course, until the consumption of all things. And then listen to the end of the Chronicles of Narnia and you'll know how it ends. Chronicles. Chronicles. Colossians had my head in Narnia land there for a second. Colossians 1 and 15, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. What did I talk about? Father, sperma, creation, author. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all the fullness <clears throat> dwell in him <clears throat> and through him to reconcile to himself all things, and I'm about to land the plane, so sit tight, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The theology there is so rich. It's so deep. The Pauline theology, you've got to get your heart around this, your head around this, but are you starting to see the connection to the Lord's Prayer? So I just want to invite you to do something. Uh, I'm going to finish these are kind of next steps, and Pastor Jim's encouraging us. Okay, when we teach, let's talk about, okay, what, what can we do next to apply that? So these, these would be next steps. As you spend time in prayer, no, don't abandon your personal prayer list. I'm not saying that. But I want to see if you would take some time to apply this model to your prayer time. If you haven't been, some of you probably have done a lot of this because there, there's a lot of teaching from elsewhere, other streams that support this. So maybe take the outline... And these notes will be, be online in all their beauty and imperfection. Uh, take the outline and become aware of the intentionality of the P points that we went through. Turn up the energy and expectancy for the church. You know, I think, I think Pastor Jim talks about intentionality. A lot of times we pray, we're not sure, what's my focus here? But just calm yourself and think, I'm praying with the body of Christ right now. Does that make sense? This isn't my quiet time to just get, check this box off. This isn't just kind of minister to me. It's good. That stuff should happen. But then, then flip the switch and engage. I'm now joining the army of prayer 
warriors around the earth because it's, it's important. It's kingdom importance. Things that you see on the news are affected by when you engage in prayer that way. Does that make sense? God sees the end from the beginning and, and he'll have us pray the things that will get us to where the end is supposed to be. So, so try to re-aim and re, uh, reframe and re-aim the focus of your faith. I just said that. Visualize a global body of believers uniting in prayer. And then it, this is kind of <clears throat> endless, but start somewhere. Google on the internet. Go to, there's places where all the names of God are listed. And they'll give you the Hebrew. They'll give you, you know, they'll, they'll give you all of them. Um, I'm trying to remember where I found a good resource where he pronounced them all and he explained them all and I was praying through uh, Tony Evans. Is that, is that a guy? <laughs> is that a big preacher guy? Okay, that's, that's a, um, And so start looking at those names and, and as you target prayer, ask the Lord, should I be focusing in on this? Here's the thing. We don't have to know everything, but sometimes when you increase your lexicon of, of possibilities, the Lord has more to work with. Does that make sense? Like, he can supernaturally tell you anything. I, I'm not discounting that. But if you're going to have words of knowledge on, on complicated medical diseases, you probably should read a medical journal. You're like, what? Yeah. Be aware of the possibilities in prayer. So as you educate yourself on the names of God, he has something to drop in your heart. It's a constant, I don't know what to call it. Prayer, um, it feeds your prayer vocabulary. I encourage worshipers to do that. It's good for you to say, I love Jesus, but let's go, let's go a little deeper. Let's read through the Psalms. Let's pick up on some of those words. Does that make sense? So maybe that's just where you would, you would start. And finally, and this is probably the most practical thing. I talked about, um, I talked about the, the difference between saying and doing, right? We should not only say the word, but we should do the word. So have we found ourselves praying more about things that we don't actually participate in? You can have a healing prayer list from everyone, you know, all your relatives in California, but when was the last time you did what Jesus did and actually laid hands on someone for healing? Does that make sense? Those partner together. Don't pray about something that you're not doing. That's a challenge right there. That's a challenge. Um, I'm praying for healing for someone. Find someone to touch and heal. And it doesn't have to be supernatural. Mom, do you need help trimming your bushes? I can do that. I'm touching her life. Now that might not be bringing direct healing. Does this, does this make sense? See, we've got to stop abstracting and spiritualizing everything that's very practical. Again, Jesus went about... Do, did Jesus go about praying about situations? Or did he go about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil? There's a difference. He prayed about it in the morning. He got supercharged. And then all day, bam, 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 bam. Word of knowledge, word of knowledge, healing, healing, word of knowledge. 
read your mail, read your mail, <laughs> read your mail. You're too religious, repent, get behind me, Satan. It's just, that's the kingdom. And that's our lives. And that's what this prayer does. It fuels that. So don't forget that. Did you get anything out of that tonight? All right. Amen. Well, let me pray real quick over you. I thank you, Lord, for this, this, whatever you have of benefit, just to help stretch us, grow us, encourage us on this topic tonight, Lord. Um, Deepen our walk with you. Firm the foundation of prayer. And just may we see things happening that we haven't seen in a long while as we just get excited and energized again. In Jesus' name, amen.